Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of the Pewter Report podcast and pewterreport.com. We are in prime time for this episode, and it's going to be a fun one as we are live from Indianapolis, Indiana for the NFL Combine, where we had an absolutely stacked day talking to the Bucks Brass, the brain trust of the 2024 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Of course, you're seeing it on the screen. We spoke with Jason Light, both privately and up at the podium. We spoke with Tom Bowles, also privately and up at the podium, and got a wealth of information that we are looking forward to sharing with the pewter people on today's or tonight's show. I'm your host, Matt Matera, joined with me sitting right next to me is the face that runs the place of pewterreport.com. It is SR Scott Reynolds. Scott, very fun day today. A lot of information to get into as well. So let's get right into it with all of our Bucks conversation. Uh, I think the first thing everybody wanted to know, um, of course, was the responses and the reactions from Todd Bowles and Jason Light. Obviously, we, we started the day with a bit of news. Shaq Barrett yep. was released by the Buccaneers, with, uh, which uh, – Checks off one box of something that was right. expected, but still, you know, kind of sad nonetheless with what he meant to the Buccaneers. So your reaction to uh, the news that started the day? Yeah, it, no surprise. We dedicated a whole show to it last week, yes, right? We did. I mean, this is something the Pewter Report has forecasted uh, before the end of the season. This was a move that was going to be coming. And it's a move that happens for a couple of reasons. Josh Capo is going to get into kind of the, the hows and the whys with the salary cap. But I think more importantly... The Buccaneers wanted to get younger at that position, Matt. Yeah. You look at Jack Barrett, the declining production for a player that has made an average of $18 million per year over the last couple of seasons. One of those was, was an injury-shortened season back in 2021, or I should say 2022, where he had the Achilles injury, came back last year, started every single game, he had did. four and a half sacks. And while the pressures were there, the, the sack production wasn't. And you just look at the age and, and probably make that determination. Not going to get better, probably going to get worse as Father Time works on Shaq Barrett's body right. a little bit. And, and at the same time, too, Joe Tryon Shawinka, right, has a contract year coming up. Mm-hmm. Don't think the team is going to be giving him the fifth year option. So you want to see what he's going to do. Plus, Jason Light and Todd Bowles were very, very. Um, positive about a couple of the young edge rushers that we've talked about at Peter Report for some time, Marquise Watts and Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez was another one that uh, Jason Light in particular was glowing about, which is not the most shocking thing. If we're going to be realistic about it, I mean, we're talking about a sixth round draft yep. pick and uh, an undrafted like squad. All yeah. <laughs> and an undrafted free agent. And the undrafted free agent was the one that got more playing time. Right. Uh, than, than the draft pick himself. So, uh, you know, Jason's certainly trying to to hype up what they still have in-house with the Buccaneers outside of Joe Tryanchenko, who obviously hasn't really uh, come up to par as well. But just, again, real quick on Shaq, uh, obviously a, a tough decision. J- Jason Light, we'll play the video as well, said it was tough for him to make that phone call. And it was actually the one, it was Shaq Barrett who was the one that was really, um, kind of calming Jason Light down yes. versus the other way around, which is what typically happens in those situations. But really the thing uh, that I want to say, and obviously, you know, fans are very passionate one way or another when a guy gets cut, oh, good riddance, or no, they got to keep him. Yeah. Uh, I just want to highlight real quick how important Shaq Barrett was to this Buccaneers team. No you know, when he got here in 2019, 19 and a half sacks, broke the Bucs single season sack record. 
ended up uh, fifth all time as he got live with 45 career sacks um, as a Buccaneer. So um, Shaq was so important to winning that Super Bowl in 2020. Um, a, a true stand-up guy from beginning to end when he was with the Buccaneers. So uh, I just want to commend Shaq for obviously what he meant to this team. And, you know, now there's talks already. We've had the discussions early on of will Shaq Barrett be a Bucks Ring of Honor member one yeah. day down the road? We can kind of table that conversation for another day. But I, I, certainly you know something to think about. Let's hit the pause button on that, Matt. I think you're, you're exactly right when you look at at the – you know, the, the things that I, and I'm not a glazier, so I don't get a say so in who goes in the Bucks Spring of Honor. If I did, Hardy Nickerson would be there. Yes. Simeon Rice. James Wilder. James maybe. Wilder would be there. Exactly. But for me, the criteria for Bucks Spring of Honor members is what did you contribute to the team's success? And what did you do individually that, whether it's breaking a record, Correct. right? Or, or having some sort of milestone, like being in the Hall of Fame, yeah. et cetera. You look at Shaq Barrett, he checks a lot of boxes. 19 and a half sacks, beat Warren Sapp's single season sack record. Mm -hmm. That's a tremendous feat right there. He finished in just five years in the top five at number five with 45 sacks, as you mentioned. Plus the Super Bowl, right, where he was he, a menace. He a good could have easily been the MVP yes. in that, that game. And then also contributed to two NFC South division titles mm -hmm. uh, following that actually three when yeah. you count this past season. So uh, even though one of those seasons was on injured reserve, um, he, he's a winner. He helped this team climb the ladder to the top rung, which is the Super Bowl. It also had that individual accomplishment where, Matt, I don't know when another Buccaneer player is going to get 19 and a half sacks in a season. I mean, it may never happen. It may never happen. Exactly. So hats off to Shaq Barrett for one heck of a career. It was a great run, and, and, and it will also go down, really, um, and it, you have to give a lot of credit to, to Bucks general manager Jason White. I mean, yes. Uh, one one year, of the greatest free agent signings of all time. Not no just doubt. Yeah. I mean, one year, $5 million prove-it deal, mm -hmm. and as Todd Bowles said today, Shaq Baird came to this organization with his hair on fire, played like it that year to prove that he was worth the money that he ultimately got paid after the franchise tag. That $18 million contract, uh, he retires as a multimillionaire whenever his playing career is done. Right. I think it was important that the Buccaneers gave him this opportunity to, um, even though it's going to be a post-June 1 cap designation, and Josh will talk about all of the cap ramifications in the Shaq Barrett release, but more importantly, Matt, to give Shaq Barrett the opportunity to latch on with another team while teams are still flush with Capra. And again, that goes back to something we talked about last week, Scott, of just the respect that players have for Jason Light and the respect that Jason Light gives to guys on his team and guys that are yeah. no longer on his team. Because not every GM would do that. And again, uh, you know, stand-up guy in Jason Light. Let's get to the Super Chat. Sticking with Shaq Barrett from David Van Dunn. Thank you, David, for this $1.99 Super Chat, who says... Excuse me. Now I'm getting choked up about Shaq Barrett. <laughs> Any chance Shaq comes back on a cheap deal? That actually kind of got brought up to Jason yeah. Knight as well. And he didn't he, close the door. He did not close yeah. the door on it. In my opinion and, and kind of what I've gathered, I don't know if it would happen necessarily this season because the Bucks does feel like Ed Rusher going to be a top pick this yeah. year or, or at minimum second or third round. So, I think they would kind of like to go in a different direction for one season. But again, next year, Anthony Nelson coming off the books. Joe Tryon-Shanka probably coming yeah. off the book. Anthony Nelson could be re-signed. I'm just saying, like, he right. wouldn't it's have a contract. contract. Yeah. So yeah. if um, if they could find an inexpensive veteran minimum for Shaq Barrett and he's yeah. still around and let's see what happens this year with Shaq. Maybe he feels even healthier on, the, on that Achilles injury or, you know, finds a little something – extra with uh having a new lease with, with another team never say never yeah yeah i agree um the one thing too that will be important to know we appreciate that super chat very much you're talking about edge rushers matt and i think it's important for us to uh yes to talk about the fact that, that the buccaneers um edge rushers are coming into focus and lo and behold guess what our combine coverage really starts in earnest tomorrow when the players have interviews that's where we get to determine 
have you met with the Buccaneers? Yeah. Was it a formal interview? How serious is Tampa Bay's Who interest in you? you with the Buccaneers? Yes. Was it just Todd Bowles or was it some of the assistant coaches as well? Those are all big things. That's exactly right. And tomorrow's show, which will be at 4 o'clock Eastern time. So yep. we have a primetime show tonight to kick things off. But we're back at 4 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday this week, live from Indianapolis. We're going to have the conversation with that man right there. That's Darius Robinson, the Missouri chiseled pass rusher. This guy really came out like gangbusters when he got the chance to play outside for Missouri. So that's tomorrow's show at 4 o'clock. We'll have a chance to talk to inside linebackers and defensive linemen. The Buccaneers are probably going to be having a need for both of those guys. One of the things that we talked about today was, uh, was maybe Devin White's return to the team. Uh, We have at Peter report long reported the Devin White is not part of the team's plans for this year. Uh, gosh, I want to say we maybe even talked about that back in September or October. I want to say October. You yeah. came out with a statement uh, where you said, I yeah. will sell my house if Todd Poles. If Todd Poles. Well, Todd Poles would be the one to be like, come back, Devin. Yes. Um, but if, if Devin White ends up re-signing with this team, and uh, if there was any shred of – belief that there was that possibility right um jason White in particular kind of put the dagger down yeah this afternoon when it came to uh devin white returning to the buccaneers because really dismissed it he and- rattled off every single name of like every single big name player on the buccaneers <laughs> even chase edmonds. chase edmonds <laughs> got more shout outs and references yeah. by jason Knight than devin white uh yeah over over devin white so um, it was very mum is the word from Jason Light. He really did not want to mention Devin unless he was uh, was asked about him. And again, like Jason had multiple situations where he was like, we've been talking to Baker and Mike. And right. we'll talk about all that, too. We got a tons of video of it. Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr., Levante David, not a word, not a shred right. about Devin White. So here is what he had to say. You know, we'll play first. Um one last comment about Shaq Barrow. We'll yep. play that real quick, and then we'll get into more of the uh, Devin White stuff. He's, uh, he's an incredible person, as you guys all know. So you guys all cover us all the time, so uh, I could go on and on. Uh, obviously a tremendous player. Um, calling him, letting him know, let him know on Friday. Um, did not want to make that call. At the same time, I did. I wanted to give him some time here to look for another team that's what he wants to do. Um, we can't officially release him until the end of the year. But he uh, he actually calmed me down on the call. He was uh, about you know, how much the organization has meant to him, what we've done for him. But actually, it's really it should have been the other way around. So um, just with Anna and his whole family, just he'll always be Bucks, and we're gonna always leave the door open for Jack to be a Buck. Especially the coach, actually. Uh, he came in hair on fire. He had a point to prove. He was getting by every offensive tackle in the league. He helped our Super Bowl run. He helped us be successful. He's a big part of the success we've had over the last five years. And, you know, that, that doesn't go unnoticed. And then, of course, uh, Jason Light talking about how if Devin White's going to get live, it'll probably be live with another team. Um, no, we're still trying to make some decisions um, on some of those other players. Um, but, uh, you know, Devin did some really good things for us throughout his career, but uh, we're still sort of Yeah, there was a lot of uh, factors with that. Um, might be a good question for Devin, but um, still did some good things for us. What do you make of the uh, the inside linebacker room that's still currently here with, with Britt and Servase Dennis and the possibility of their role expanding next season? Well, very excited about those guys, and uh, thought JJ did a nice job too for us when he stepped in as a uh, starter. Um, we'd like to have Levante back. We put him on that Mount Rushmore too of, of Bucks. I think everybody would. Um, he had a hell of a year. Um, like to have him back too. But we are excited about that young group. Close relationship. Have you had any conversations with Devin, and, and what what can you see for his future in the NFL? I texted him happy birthday about a week ago. Um, <laughs> that was the best thing. Devin can still play. Devin's a good football player. We got a lot of guys up for free agency. We can't pay everybody. We know the money's got to go somewhere. We're still making those decisions. And by the start of the new league year, we'll see where everything falls. So based on those videos, Scott, I think the two biggest things that are indicative of 
Devin White not being back next season. I think, first of all, is Todd Bowles, because Todd Bowles has been a shield for Devin White, yes. especially this season, but for even longer than that. And yep. we'll go to bat for him and we'll defend Devin as much as he possibly can. You're right. And when Todd says something like, well, there's only so much money to go around, we can't beat everybody. And the question was geared towards Devin White. I think that is super telling yep. about what's going on. And then Jason, <laughs> unprompted, just being like, we want to get Levante David in the Mount Rushmore of Bucks yeah. players. And when he wasn't even in, you guys heard the question. I asked him right. about KJ Britt and, and some of the younger guys. And he goes, yeah, we want Levante back, but yeah. nothing about Devin White. I think uh, those were the, the big signs that uh, does not look like Devin White will be back. I agree. And I think, too, you look at the graphic there, that's KJ Britt. Essentially taking the baton from yeah, Devin White. Wow. And symbolism. Yeah. And and with KJ, it's so much easier, Matt, to move on from a player when you have a solution, right? When mm -hmm. when when you know that you're gonna have a problem, which is all right, who's gonna fill the void now? Who's gonna be the starter at inside linebacker next to Levante David, assuming that Levante gets re-signed, which I expect he will. And quite frankly, KJ Britt proved down the stretch that he was a steady Eddie. And that was one yes. thing they wanted to see from Devin White. That's all they were asking for. They, sure, the splash plays are great. Yes, the big plays and, and, and all of the spectacular interceptions and sacks are great. But, but man, can you, can you get off blocks? Can you fill your gap? Can you be steady? Can you be consistent? That's what they wanted to see from Devin White. And the splash plays really weren't there from K.J. Britt. He's not the splashy player. He was a fifth-round pick, not the number five overall yeah. pick. And there's a difference right there in athleticism and speed. But, man, K.J. Britt was solid enough, steady enough, that I think that between he and J.J. Uh, Russell, Russell and Servassier Dennis, and maybe they, they add another player in the draft to kind of shore up that spot and add some depth and competition, um, I, I, I think that they're okay to move on from Devin White from a player standpoint, uh, not just a salary cap standpoint. And they kind of already did. Like you said, passing the baton, K.J. Britt playing. They've seen life without Devin yes. White. And they can kind of move on with yeah. that life. Now, life without Levante David, we saw a smidgen of it this yeah. season when, when Levante was injured for a little bit. But I don't think the Bucs, as, as much as uh, there's a lot of promise about yeah. Servasie Dennis, and who knows what they'll do this season I don't know if the Bucs are ready just no. yet to uh, have a defense that is not centered around not Levante David. With Levante David playing as well as he still is, even at age 33. And he's 34 now, and I'm not expecting any type of slowdown. So, Yeah, neither am I. Yeah. So um, let, let's go to some other videos and, and listen to what Todd and Jason had to say. There's a myriad of topics that they hit on. Primarily, uh, just... I don't know about your phone. My phone's been blowing up. I've got everybody in Tampa <laughs> texting me. Is Baker Mayfield going to be back? Is Mike Evans going to be back? I think, and we'll get Josh Capo and Bailey uh, Adams' perspective on this too as they kind of listen to the press conference. But what I, what I heard from this was they're trying to do some deals to prevent Mike and Baker from hitting free agents. Yes. From opening up the door to potential suitors that could drive the price tag up for the, those guys. So I do think that there is a little bit of sense of urgency. And, and my, my view on this has changed after listening to them today. I thought they were okay with them hitting the, the market, seeing what type of yeah. market value they had, bring it back to the Buccaneers, much like they did with Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, and Levante mm -hmm. David. But these aren't linebackers and cornerbacks we're talking about. These are star wide receiver, face of the franchise, icon player, Mike Evans, and – your starting quarterback, Baker Mayfield. So I think that there is an effort right now to get these guys under contract before free agency starts. But as Jason Light said today, if it happens and, it, and they hit the market, you know, they, they can't really prevent that. Yeah. They're not going to use the franchise tag on either player because it's too cost prohibitive. Uh, Josh will talk about franchise tag and Anton Winfield and see if that still makes sense. But it seems to me that, that it's, a full court press to get Mike and Baker re-signed before free agency. And it makes sense, right? I mean, quarterback, most important position in the game of football. Wide receiver, very close uh, as number two, maybe number three, depending on who you ask. And it kind of, I wasn't even kind of planning this, but it kind of goes back to what I was just saying about how the Bucs have seen life without certain players with Devin White. They can move on. Levante David, they can't just yet. 
we got to remember that Jason Light in particular in that Bucks front office, they saw what this team looks like when they don't have a good quarterback. Yes. When they had Jameis Winston and McCown before that, they saw how important it is. Once you get that quarterback, you can figure out everything else later, yeah. whether it was Tom Brady or what Baker Mayfield did last season. So I think after talking to them today, it's very much the case of let's figure out Baker Mayfield at quarterback. Let's especially figure out Mike Evans at wide receiver. And then we can worry about, plan B, C, D, E, and F at other positions after that. Because yes. if, if we all saw the financial situation they were in last year and they were able to navigate it and right. get through it. If they got through that last season, they could figure it out this year and this offseason with how to um, you know, still put out a functional winning football team that can go for the division again. So let's get to a couple of these videos. First of all, Jason Light commenting on, having discussions with not just Baker Mayfield, but a plethora, a myriad of star Bucks players. Where we're at, we've started talks with, with Baker, we've started with Mike, Antoine, Tristan, Levante. Um, it's, uh, I think they're going well. Um, we have every, um, we know what Mike, I don't want to single out any player, they're all priorities, but you asked about Baker in particular. You know, Baker meant a lot to this team and this fan base and this town. Um, and I think uh, we meant a lot to him. And I think it was a perfect marriage. I think I've said before, he sought us out. And he, he gambled on us. He saw it as a good situation. Um, he saw it better than a lot of national people. He saw us winning two games. So he, um, he thought it would be good for him, and it certainly was. So I know he wants to be a buck. We want him to be a buck. So... Um, it's usually a good starting point. That's the same thing we said for a lot of these guys. Obviously, things a little bit subject to change because players could be signed before free agency starts. But looking at the expected upcoming free agent class, is there any positions that you feel are a bit deeper? In the overall yep. free agency class? Um, yeah, well, yeah, there, there always are. But like I said before, like we're focused on signing ours right now and I mean if we can re-sign Mike and Baker and Levante and Chase and Antoine and Tristan I mean we should be throwing another boat parade so um, <laughs> that's a uh, that's pretty good class there and uh, then Jason went a little more into detail about Mike Evans saying that they want to make him a buck for life shout out Trevor Sigma he always says Mike buck for life Evans Mike you know that was obviously out there decided to table him and focus on the year and man did he focus on the year he had a hell of a year and I'm happy for him um, and bet on himself too he's an unprecedented player that we want him to be a buck for life um, we're working towards that you know, it obviously takes two sides I know, I know he wants to be a buck but I mean to get the deal done I mean we'll probably have to strain a little bit but uh, we're working towards that right now and uh, you know a, a good deal is always it takes some time, so for both sides. Give and take on both sides. Obviously, Mike's been an icon here for over a decade and had one of his best years last year as well. And he looks like a spring chicken, so we want both the guys back. You know, obviously, when you test free agency, anything can happen. You hope for the best, and you know, you keep your fingers crossed. Mike's probably asking who the quarterback is, and Mayfield's probably asking, Who am I throwing to? So, does they're kind of linked a little bit. Of their link, Mike throwing Mike call pass against every quarterback that's come through here. So, and Baker's thrown to a lot of people, not teams otherwise. But again, they both had great years, they, they helped us during our playoff run, and we're hopeful. So, Bucks fans, I'm just prepping you right now. The Buccaneers are going to spend a lot of money in free agency, but very similar to how this team operated in 2021. It's re-signing a lot of their own players, but it's a lot of good players. Mike Evans, Baker Mayfield, Antoine Winfield Jr. They're going to do a contract extension with Tristan Wirfs, even though he has a fifth-year option coming up. They want to get him tied up long-term. They talked about Levante David, Chase McLaughlin, Chase Edmonds, both yeah. Chases, Matt. So this team is not going to be super active in free agency because the lion's share of their cap space is going to go towards their own players. And that's okay because this is a team, Matt, that is still the reigning NFC South champion for the third year in a row. Probably the early favorites, if all those guys come back for winning it a fourth year in a row. 
And more importantly, this is a team that, as Todd Bowles accurately said today, was tied with Detroit heading into yeah. the fourth quarter in a game that, if they'd won that in Detroit, could have propelled them to the NFC Championship game. The Buccaneers, with one more good draft, getting their star players back, adding a few more value free agents and free agency. Look out, man. They're going to be buying cases of Celsius to celebrate in that boat parade. Absolutely. The Bucs are closer to being Super Bowl champions than they are plummeting. And if we're talking about the Super Bowl champions of energy drinks, of course, it's Celsius energy drinks, the official energy drink of the Peter Report podcast and PeterReport.com. And their newest line out right now is Celsius Essentials. They got some awesome flavors, including the Blue Crush and the Dragonberry. It's 270 milligrams of caffeine, and it's the Tall Boy can, so a little extra oomph for you when you have Celsius. If you need to know where to find Celsius Essentials or maybe some of the original Celsius flavors, just like we did today, like we did, whether it's the Celsius uh, Sparkling Orange or the, the Kiwi Guava or a ton of great flavors, Use the store locator like we did. It'll tell you the closest geographical location where you could pick up a Celsius. Might be a local Walmart or Target convenience store. Or if you're lucky enough, you may just stumble upon a bodega. bodega. (laughs) I love this barbershop. And once you keep going to your bodega and you're like, I love Celsius. I just want to get more. I don't want to make a million different trips. That's understandable. I totally got you. That's when you go on to uh, Amazon. You could buy it in bulk. Do the subscribe and save and have it sent to your place of residence whenever you want. Could be a week, month, quarterly, yearly. You're in charge. You're the captain now. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius energy drinks. Make Celsius your number one pick. Celsius, the official energy drink of the Pewter Report podcast. All right. Joining the show now, our fellow colleagues at PewterReport.com. We got BA on the show, Bailey Adams. And Josh Capo is about to join us and further this discussion of all that went down as we spoke with Jason Light and Todd Bowles this afternoon. Yeah, Josh. So an interesting day, obviously, starting with uh, all the Shaq Barrett news. You want to start there with the cap ramifications of Shaq Barrett's um, impending release? Yeah. So um, I think there's a little bit of misconception out there as to the motivation for why the Bucks may have cut Shaq. Obviously, for the contract that he signed back in what was it, 2021, yeah. um, his production didn't meet the, the average annual value of what he was getting. But more importantly, the Bucks most likely made this move not to save cap room, but rather to save cash. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is um, Barrett was due a $15 million uh, roster bonus that would have been prorated over a 2024 plus four void years. And it would have cost the bucks $15 million in cash that they really just didn't feel like they should be spending on the production that he was bringing. Um, so will they get some savings out of this move based on it being a post June 1st cut um, where they'll have to carry his $14 million salary cap hit up until June 1st. And then after that, they'll be able to reduce that to a little over $9 million here in 2024 and then take $17.4 million in a dead cap hit in 2025. So still on the hook for $26 million worth of cap hits. Um, they're just going to be able to spread it over two years. It'll net them $5 million in cap savings once June 2nd hits. Now, does that help them here for free agency? Not really, but that money will be more than enough to pay their uh, draft class that they're going to be drafting here in April. I can't tell you how happy I am that we have you to explain all of that because <laughs> I can't, I would not, I would not be there, but no, it is interesting to get into all that and kind of the other stuff that the Bucks can do as far as um, before free agency starts, before the franchise tag window closes, like Scott and Matt were talking about, potentially trying to get deals done with Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans beforehand. Um, the other big thing that we were kind of, I don't know if I say taken aback, but kind of got from Jason Light today was on the possibility of using the franchise tag on Antoine Winfield Jr., he was asked point blank, are you, know, are you thinking you're going to have to use the tag on Antoine Winfield Jr.? And he said that their preference would just be to get it, get it done, get a deal done with him and, and kind of not have to use that tag. He said the tag is a good thing 
to keep in your back pocket. But ideal in an ideal scenario, they want to get a deal done with Antoine. Yeah, and there are some reasons for it. Um, I think the big thing to note here is Light didn't fully close the door on using the tag. Right. The tag is a useful tool in this particular negotiation. It's a useful tool for even like Mike Evans and, and Baker Mayfield because he could still use it on those two. He's the odds are that that's not going to happen, but he still has it in the back pocket to prevent any one of those three players from actually hitting the, the market. As it pertains to Winfield, what's interesting is the safety tag was the lowest of the three. Um, Mike Evans, based on his cap hit last year, a uh, franchise tag for him would be $28 million. Uh, Baker Mayfield, the franchise tag for quarterbacks, like $40 million. <laughs> but for a safety, it's like $17.2 million, which for the play that Antoine Winfield has produced and the contract that he could get on the open market is a value. Um, he's going to be most likely a $20 million man per year, or $20 million per year man or greater. Um, and so that does provide the, the team with a little bit of savings. There are good reasons to get a long-term deal done. So three, really. Number one is it gives you the long-term security of knowing that you have one of the best, if not the best safety in the in football and all pro. on your team an all pro absolutely yeah. if not a pro bowler an all pro <laughs> um <laughs> on your team for for several years right uh, a contract for winfield will most likely be a three or four year deal secondly um it allows them to actually improve their cap position here in 2024 uh, a long-term deal will most likely mean that the first year cap hit is less than $17.2 million, right? So it gives them more flexibility here in 2024. Um, the third reason is if they tag him for 2024, they're still gonna wanna get a long-term deal done. Right. That deal will happen in 2025. As we all know, outside of a pandemic, the NFL salary cap goes up every year. It went up $30 million from 2023 to 2024. A lot of these players, especially at the top end of their position groups when they're um, negotiating contracts, they look at the percent of salary cap in the year that their deal is signed. The current top of the market deal for safeties is Derwin James. He's making $19 million per year. He signed that in 2022, and that represented that $19 million AAV represented about 9% of the salary cap that year. If you take that 9% salary cap and apply it to this year's $250 million a $255.4 million salary cap, you're talking 23 plus million dollars per year for Winfield. Well, let's say the cap goes up another $30 million next year. That 23 is now over $26 million. So it's better to get the deal done early in terms of the overall size of that deal. So those are three really big reasons why I'm sure Jason Light and the Bucks organization, Mike Greenberg, are motivated to just get this done because they know Winfield's going to be a buck for a long time and they would rather get the savings now than pay more later. So it all makes sense. But they can still use the, the tag and they can use it to get that long-term deal done because if they apply the tag, it does lock Winfield into the roster for 2024 and basically extends their exclusive rights negotiation window with him. Nobody else can negotiate with him and they would have until July 15th to actually get a long-term extension done that would replace that tag. So it adds effectively like four months worth of a negotiating window. They can't get a deal done by July 15th then the tag stays in place for 2024. And they do this all over again in 2025. Bringing this all back full circle, do you think that most most likely scenario, that's what happens? They place the tag on them and keep negotiating until they have until July because right now they're trying to get before Mike Evans and Baker Mayfield hit the market, trying to get those deals done now. Do you foresee those two being the priority? And then they say, well, we have the tag to place on them. Is there is there anything that would prevent them from wanting to do that? Um, I would place the odds of them getting the deal done with Winfield before having to place the tag, uh, maybe 60-40 in favor of getting the deal done. I do believe that this front office is really good at walking and chewing bubble gum at the same time. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is they can negotiate three different deals yeah. simultaneously and feel good about how each one affects the next and still get all three locked up before free agency hits in the middle of March. So um, I would say 60-40 in favor of not having to use the tag, but it's there. And what I will say is there's no world that I foresee where Antoine Winfield is not on the Bucks roster come opening day 2024. Yeah, and I think the, the interesting thing there is the franchise tag window or the franchise tag deadline for 
them to place the tag on a player is March 5th. So that's next week. Mm-hmm. So we will know within the next week whether or not they have to place the tag and keep negotiating. But what we got today from Jason Light was that the goal is – the end goal here is a long-term deal with, with Antonio Field Jr. Another player he talked about getting a long-term deal done with is Tristan Wirfs. And he's, he's already locked in for 2024 on his fifth-year option year from his rookie deal back in 2020. Um, and then we talked to Light today about, about Tristan Wirfs, and he said really that the, the preference for Tristan is obviously having him long-term and nothing they would do this year. Because right now they're locked in for that fifth-year option on that money. They can't do anything with that money, correct? They can, actually. Oh, they can do something yeah, yeah. with that money. Um, th- actually, the precedent uh, happened uh, recently with a player that they're trying to do a long-term deal with, which is Baker Mayfield. Um, the Bucks can take his fifth-year option and basically turn part of that salary into a prorated bonus mm-hmm. and spread it out over void years. The Browns did that a few years ago with Mayfield on his fifth-year option to help facilitate a trade to the Panthers because the Panthers didn't want to pick up all of Baker's salary that year. So they can do that. It's obviously not their preference. Right. I think Light mentioned that specifically. Um, the priority is to get that long-term deal done for Wirfs. Yeah, and he said they don't. it wouldn't be for cap reasons. They want to get that deal done because they want Tristan Wirfs to be around for a long time as their left tackle. So, I mean, a couple of the guys that, that they got into were, were Winfield, were Wirfs. Um, someone that he said he hasn't had discussions about as far as franchise tag, or not franchise tag, but a, a new deal would be um, Carlton Davis. There's been some speculation about whether or not he'd be traded, whether he'd be cut, um, and, and he's on his last year of his deal. He said there's been no um, no discussions about that at the time. It was very curt in response, his response about that. Kind of what, what kind of sense did you get from what he said and from what Todd Bowles said about um, about Carlton Davis in particular? Yeah, I think overall there's there's frustration with the organization. I think there's frustration with both those with with Carlton Davis and with Jamel Dean in terms of their health, right? Um, both Light and Jason Light and Todd Bowles mentioned that they didn't have the opportunity to really see those two players on the field together um, all that much. And, um, and, and that frustration seems to be throughout the entire organization. Does it mean that Carlton Davis is going to be a buck next year or not a buck next year? I didn't really get a full read. What I can say is with Carlton Davis, there are so many different options available to the team. Yes, this is the last year of his deal, but the Bucs haven't restructured him too much to where he, he's a negative cap hit if they happen to decide to move on from him. They're, they would incur about $6.5 million in cap savings if they decide to part ways with Davis. Now, whether that be a trade or a cut, they could go either way. I personally think that Carlton Davis has trade value, that there would be teams in the NFL that would be very interested in bringing him in on what would end up being a much cheaper deal for them because they wouldn't be on the hook for the salary cap dead hits uh, or prorations from signing bonus. And so the Bucks could end up netting a draft pick out of Carlton Davis. I speculate a low third rounder or a high fourth rounder. And with only six draft picks in their uh, quiver at the moment, that could be something that is appealing to them, especially because both Jason Light and Todd Bowles were very complimentary of Zion McCollum mm-hmm. um, today in, in both of their kind of scrums. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it was interesting to kind of get a sense of frustration about the, the injuries that these cor- starting cornerbacks have been um, dealing with, you know, year after year almost. Actually, let, let's hear uh, from, from Bowles and Light about these cornerbacks and in a video here. Well, our healthiest corner was Zion. Again, if you had Dean, you didn't have Carlton. If you had Carlton, you didn't have Dean. I don't think they really played together towards the, until towards the end of the season. So it was kind of a mixed bag, so to speak, from a health standpoint and an efficient, an efficient standpoint. When we got them back both together, finally, we felt pretty good about it. It's just keeping those guys healthy. So you can never have enough good corners because you're going to have to go about five deep during the season. And that's probably every year. I've been coaching like my 24th season, I might only have a healthy secondary maybe three or four years. So I'm used to that, and I understand that part of it. You just got to make sure they stay healthy. So I think um, Todd Bowles provided some really great context. It's something that I've talked about in the past in just secondaries get beat up, and that's not exclusive to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's not exclusive to Carlton Davis or Jamel Dean. It's a position that tends to incur a lot of nicks and bruises and, and missed time. He mentioned, you know, three or four years out of a 24-year coaching career that he's had healthy secondaries. 
that requires a lot of depth, which the Bucks' depth was tested last year fairly well. McCollum played well. Chris Izian and the nickel as an uh, undrafted rookie free agent played very well. And we're in. Uh, we're having Adam Slavon join me here, so we'll talk a little bit more about what Todd Bowles had to say. But Adam, what was your take in terms of his, what Todd Bowles had to say about Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean? Yeah, um, I kind of want to get on your comments when you talk about Zion McCollum and just how he he was the healthiest corner, and that's something that he reiterated when talking about the cornerback play this year. When you look at Jamel Dean, Carlton Davis, it felt like one week it was either one or the other is out. But Zion McCollum, he had that starting role opposite whoever was suiting up, and he fared really well. He looks like he could be a starting boundary corner in the NFL. And then you also look at it, you have Kayvon Merriweather and Christian Izian, as you mentioned, as potentially being options at the strong safety spot. Uh, Izian, he played really well as a nickel. And then Merriweather kind of came along late in the season, but he did really well. So it'll be interesting to see how the Bucs go about maybe supplementing the defensive defensive backs because when you look at it you can never have enough depth and this past season really proved it and they had some undrafted guys really have a big impact yeah just uh, Bowles was very complimentary of a few different uh, secondary pieces um, McCollum what was interesting when he talked about him is he literally said he's going to play a lot next year I just don't know where yeah right and so we, we followed up and we asked well could he be in play for the strong safety position and he said it really depends on how the roster shapes up as we get through free agency and the draft. And so over the summer, he'll have a more clear understanding of how he's going to use McCollum. But he mentioned McCollum can play either corner spot. He can play either safety spot. He can play nickel. He really sees McCollum as a chess piece, not unlike Antoine Winfield, who over his first four years proved himself as an elite you know, top-down uh, safety, proved himself as a very capable and very good uh, slot corner. And then more recently this year, we played a lot in the box and was used as a blitzer. He was an elite blitzer. So Bowles is collecting chess pieces in his secondary, and he seems to be very excited about a couple of those uh, players. Um, what else did he say that you know really stood out to you? Man, you're talking about chess pieces. It reminds me, like, Antoine Winfield Jr., he's a king. He can really slide in anywhere, do anything. And he spent about the past or the last two minutes uh, when he was just talking to the local media about Antoine Winfield Jr. and saying that he had one of the best seasons that a safety could have. I mean, the statistics speak for itself. You mentioned before he had an all-pro season. And when you look at Antoine Winfield Jr., more than deserving of a new contract, and they're really expecting him to kind of continue leading the way in the secondary. So when he was talking about Antoine Winfield Jr., I uh, kind of brought out the talking about practice and how he <laughs> sets a, himself apart by practicing and then really taking that and implementing it into game days. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we even got a chance to ask him, do you think Antoine Winfield Jr. is the best safety in, in football, provided the context of kind of the versatility and and all the places that he can play and excel at. And he did say, yes, I do think that he's the best safety in the NFL, which was really, really cool. So um, what other players kind of stood out with, with Bowles' comments to you? Yeah, one other thing that stood out was uh, when he mentioned Rashad White and kind of adding another back into the backfield uh, going into next season, because Rashad White had 272 carries, 64 receptions. So that's 336 touches. For a lead back, that's a lot. And when you look at it, it's really not sustainable in the modern NFL when you have running backs and kind of split workloads and for health reasons, just keeping the longevity of a running back alive because they hit 28, 29, and that's kind of where they go downhill. So I thought it was interesting uh, maybe adding another back who can kind of take some, some of the load off Rashad White's shoulders because he really had a heavy workload this past season. I know uh, about a week ago you mentioned some options in the backfield uh, when you look at the combine this week, who do you have your eye on? Yeah, so I think that there are a variety of different options, even just based off of what Jason Light and Todd Bowles said. You know, internal guys, both of them were complimentary of Chase Edmonds. Um, both mentioned very much like Carlton Davis. There were some injury issues that prevented Edmonds from being a full-time kind of um, compliment to Rashad White. And Light even mentioned that he feels like White is becoming uh, an elite receiving back who had um, improved late in the season as a running back, but that they needed to get a, a second guy in there who can kind of spell him. So Edmonds is certainly sounds like he could be on the table for the team, but they could look to the draft. And while this draft doesn't feature the high end 
talent that last year's did that even in an NFL, a modern day NFL where you're not supposed to draft a running back in the first round two were taking in, I want to say in the top 15 picks, yep. there are some quality backs that can be had in the mid rounds. One that um, I, I talked about a little bit that I really enjoyed his tape was Kentucky running back Ray Davis. Um, obviously there is a, connection there with new offensive coordinator Liam Cohen. Um, Davis is a bigger back. He's sturdy. He's got great contact balance, really good vision, maybe not long speed, but there aren't many backs in the NFL that are going to break off 50, 60, 70 yard runs or have the opportunity to break those off on a very uh, consistent basis. But Davis can get you those five to 10 to 15 to 20 yards that are the more common runs that really help unlock a, a a running game. And he would be, I would say a really good compliment to uh, Rashad white. Another one who I'm, I'm also high on. I've got him ranked pretty similarly on my own draft board would be Marshawn Lloyd from uh, USC. Um, he's got some great burst and acceleration, good footwork. He, again, a contact balance guy. Um, he can get to the perimeter. He's got some more bursts and more long speed than Davis, but either one of those guys would be potential fits for the Bucks backfield that I think could be really good options to complement Rashad White. I would not be surprised if the Bucks use maybe an early day three pick or a late day two pick on a running back to help continue to build that running game that uh, Light was very, very uh, vocal about how they're continuing to try and build that. They want a better running game. Yeah, and uh, one that gets your thoughts, uh, kind of talked about it a little earlier uh, with Devin White. Uh, don't want to beat a dead horse, but... Dude! <laughs> 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 but uh, Todd Bowles, when he was talking today, kind of like the money musical chairs and like paying different guys, extending different guys, there, there isn't really enough money to go around for Devin White. And it was just kind of telling that, again, it doesn't sound like Devin White is going to remain in Tampa Bay, but like just his wording, what would you, what were your takeaways from that? Well, I, I think it's important to say that he didn't say there wouldn't be enough money for Devin White. But he very quickly kind of expanded to this opaque, there's a, there isn't enough money to go around for every guy. And with Bowles being Devin White's biggest champion, and I think um, Matt really said it well earlier on the podcast, for him to come out and not have a full-throated defense of, we're going to find a way to get this guy back on the team. I do think that the writing on the wall, it, it's been there. It's in permanent marker now. I, I just think Devin White's played his last snap as a Buccaneer. And, and for all parties involved, that's probably a good thing. Gives White a chance to reset his career in another market. He's still very well thought of by NFL fans outside of the Tampa Bay market. Um, and it gives the team to, a chance to move on to a player who may bring a little bit more consistency to the position. Maybe a little bit less flash, but more consistency. Yeah, and lastly, uh, when you look at the offensive line, it was one of Todd Bull's last statements when he was on the podium. He talked about Cody Malk, and perhaps he's an offensive lineman or a player in general that hasn't been talked about enough for his transition into moving as a right guard this season for the Bucs after playing tackle at North Dakota State. And just his progress, Bulls wants to see big things from Cody Malk in his second season what do you see uh, kind of being the path to success for Cody Malk as he enters year two? Yeah, I think a lot of it's going to come down to body composition. Uh, he was very lean for his position um, as a, coming as a left tackle and transitioning to right guard. And there's a lot of strength with Malk, but there's a lot of room to grow that strength and, and grow his power and his ability to anchor and his ability to kind of dictate the point of attack. And so I think a lot of it's going to come down to his off-season training and and how well he's able to add bulk, add mass, add muscle. And if he's able to do those things, I think it's going to give him a great basis to be able to move um, into year two with a big jump in play because we saw a lot of flashes of awesomeness from Cody Mount. We just need to see more consistency from him, and I think that's what the Bucks are looking for. So before we kind of wrap up our uh, coverage of day one of the NFL Combine, I do want to talk to you about an organization that is very consistent in how they're able to help manage your finances. So we're going to hear a few words from Immuni Financial. At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations, we're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? 
Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead. Stay ahead. Managing your family's wealth means more to Muni Financial than simply allocating your assets. It means legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts, and insurance services with over 40 years of experience, not just in the Tampa market, but across the state of Florida and across America. Let Muni Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. Give them a call. Help support our efforts at Pewter Report with our advertising sponsors like Immunity Financial. Give them a call at 1-800-868-6864 or visit them on the web at immunity.com. Let's finish out the show with some super chats, starting out with Meets McGee. Thank you, Meets McGee, for the $5 super chat. Oh, there we go. There we go. Uh, who says, my dream draft is left guard, Barton in the first, Xavier Leggett or, Mal- Leggett or Ma- Malachi Corley in the second, Edge Rusher in the third, Pearsall in the fourth, free agent signing, center, and Edge. I uh, appreciate your yeah. comment and super chat about what you want the Buccaneers to do. Feel free to build out your own Bucks battle plan as well. We'll yeah. be coming up um, in March. It will be interesting to see, obviously, Graham Barton's a guy that we've talked about a fair yes. amount on the Peter Report podcast. Uh, Jackson Powers Johnson as well. The center from Oregon. Oregon is uh, is another that has been spoken a ton by us and Bucks fans and, and all that good stuff. But now with the Shaq Barrett move being totally official, it's clear and evident that there is a need for a new edge rusher. Does that necessarily mean that it's going to be in the first round? There's a lot we'll of odds, but it doesn't mean 100% for sure. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, definitely something to pay attention to. Yeah. I appreciate this super chat here from William Keith, 499. Bucks could use one of everything in yeah. the draft. But <laughs> the only severe needs are guard and center and edge. I say best player available, add one new guy to every room. Yeah, I, I don't see how the Buccaneers can really go wrong or any team really with the best player available approach. Yeah. When you reach for players – to fill holes and positions of need, that's typically where you make mistakes. And Jason Light's done a really good job. Sometimes even flooding the position, drafting yes. two edge rushers last year. But Matt, as you talked about earlier, Anthony Nelson entering a contract here, Joe Tronshuinka entering a contract here, and of course Shaq Barrett uh, departing soon. So those are three people that are may not be on this roster. We yeah. know Shaq won't be, but in 2025. Um, you might need another edge rusher, and that's okay. As as uh, as Tom says, Darius Robinson, uh, a lot of momentum growing for the Missouri defensive end who will play outside linebacker in Tampa. As a matter of fact, tomorrow on the show, we've got Darius Robinson right there. We're going to talk to Darius Robinson, as a matter of fact, and all of the edge rushers here at the Combine. That's right. The focus is on edge rushers now with Shaq Barrett's departure. And we're going to have plenty of video interviews. Some of the top edge rushers will find out which ones have interviewed with the Buccaneers tomorrow, as well as linebackers. The Buccaneers could also use another linebacker with Devin White leaving. That opens up a depth chart spot. KJ Britt entering a contract year himself. Levante David, even if it resigns. Probably a one-year deal. Probably a one-year deal. So linebacker could also be another position that this team invests another draft pick in despite drafting Servasia Dennis in the fifth round last year. So tomorrow's show at 4 o'clock Eastern time here on the Peter Report TV network on YouTube. It's going to focus on edge rushers, but we're also going to talk linebackers tomorrow here at the Combine in NFL uh, Combine Capital, Indianapolis. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's fun because we kind of shift gears a little bit. Today was very much more about the current roster and, and outlooks of certain positions and position groups and things like that. But now with the prospects coming in at each position, starting with edge rusher, which yeah. is perfect for the Buccaneers, um, this is where we find out you know, who's met with the Bucs. Was yeah. it formal, informal, that type of stuff? And, you know, we'll give some highlights if there's good responses, not even specifically about the Buccaneers, yeah. but just, uh, uh, you know, good responses in, in general. So um, let's actually talk about the pass rush a little bit. Todd Bowles, the reason why Shaq Barrett's not with the team is because – 
he wasn't getting the job done getting after the quarterback and especially the four-man rush. yes that and that was a big pet peeve not specifically Shaq Barrett but a pet peeve of Todd Bowles this last season was the inability to get to get after the quarterback with just a four-man pass rush so we had a lot to talk about um, about that pass rush and some of the other outside linebackers I, I think there's some Jason Light in this as well obviously Yaya had a great year for the uh, uh, we're looking for, forward to him taking an even bigger step next year. But we have some young guys with Marquise Watts, Jose Ramirez, who was awesome for us in practice all year. We talked to the tackles about how good he was, how good of a look, you know, team player he was, but he was actually giving them trouble most of the year, which was a good thing. It's not speaking bad poorly on them, but that's good what Jose was doing. So I'm very excited about that. We've got Anthony Nelson, obviously. Um, we do have a good young group there. Obviously, we're always trying to add them. I was frustrated with the four-man pressure. You know, the, the pressure that we give when we go five or more is outstanding. Now, we missed some, but we fell off of them. But the four-man pressure at times was a little stale and had too much time to throw the football. And that's down with a lot of big plays as well as the second Well, to be so. fair, Tom, you don't have Miles Garrett and Khalil Mack and the Boses. Uh, so you, you, you got to be inventive a little bit. This game is not fair. You always have to be inventive. <laughs> you always have to be inventive, but you don't want to pressure all the time. You want to be just as dangerous with a four-man rush than you do with five or more. So we want to shore that part of it up. And some of it was getting out of our pass rush lane. Some of it, we were max protecting with everybody in there. Some of it, we got to cover better in the back end. But the four-man pressure has got to be better. The pressure we create we can get to and I'm very confident in that at all times but we got to be better for man well the good thing is all of them played you know we don't have anybody that's going to play for the first time even Watts played some snaps Yaya played a ton of snaps Joe played a ton of snaps Nelson played a ton of snaps uh, Cam played a ton of snaps so we got guys that played always looking for pass rushing you never turn them down but we're confident in the guys we have you know folks when it comes to pressure sometimes it can be a pressure situation when you're trying to sell your house or if you're trying to find the right house under pressure, it can cost you some money. Sometimes you make some bad investments. You make some bad choices when it comes to real estate. Well, that's your top investment. Don't do that. Go with the pro Eric Gross and the Eric Gross group. Eric and Caitlin Gross are tremendous. They do a great job with uh, their real estate business, which is the official realtor of Pewter Report. The Eric Gross Group, they've done hundreds of transactions in this crazy real estate market in all types of situations. They've got the experience that you need to take the pressure off your home buying or selling experience. They've got the top-notch market knowledge and communication and commitment to excellence that sets them apart from other realtors. Their clients aren't just transactions, they're lifelong friendships. Let the Eric Gross Group take the pressure off. Find them on Facebook and Instagram at Eric Gross Group or check out their website, housesinfla.com. That's housesinfla.com or give them a call. Eric's number is 513-907-4271. Again, visit their website, housesinfla.com for their latest inventory and also open house information. No matter where you are on your home ownership journey, you're going to feel welcome with the Eric Gross Group, the official realtor, Peter Report. And after you visit that website, make sure you check us out on all of our social media. We've had a lot of great content today from the Combine, and that will continue this week. And you can find it at a number of different places uh, on X, Facebook, Instagram, and Threads. That's at Peter Report in our YouTube channel, Peter Report TV. We'll have a lot more videos coming out about Jason Light and Todd Bowles throughout the week, plus all the great stuff with the prospects. So before we end the show, we got one more super chat. Thank you to LDBC's Most Wanted for the $4.99 Super Chat, who says, am I crazy for saying Todd Bowles can't afford to go into the season without a premier edge rusher? Todd shut down Mahomes with a pass rush. Yeah. That is true, but he shut down that pass rush mostly because of Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul at the time. We know Todd Bowles loves to blitz. I think Josh Capo made a great point earlier today about that. Antoine Winfield Jr. was like their best uh, pass rusher. Yeah. Uh, but that's not the case for a lot of teams. And in that Super Bowl specifically, Todd did not blitz he as much. Two. He played a bunch of cover two and relied on that four-man pass rush. That was pretty damn good in that game in yeah. the Super Bowl when they most needed it. 
um, but did not have it last season. And I think that especially hurt in games like against the Detroit Lions, yeah. where Jared Goff had a lot more time to throw and, and pick apart that defense and kind of just do what he needed to do, whether it was in the regular season or that uh, divisional round playoff game. So um, that's definitely an area of improvement that the Bucs will be looking for coming up this season. Yep. Uh, we've had a, a great start to Indianapolis. We appreciate all of the support from you guys today with the Super Chats and the great comments and your participation tonight. Again, we're going to go 4 o'clock the rest of the week, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday this week with our Pewter Report podcast here on Pewter Report TV. We encourage you to subscribe. Please help us grow our numbers to yeah. 14,000 Pewter people. We really appreciate it. And also, with those videos, make sure you're hitting the thumbs up. Give us a like and a comment that helps yes. boost the algorithm gets us in front of more awesome pewter people like you. And tomorrow we will be doing roll call. So a little special Wednesday right. edition uh, of roll call. But that's too much to get to. Today. Yeah, it's yeah. way too much to get to, but we haven't forgot about a few people. So we'll do that on tomorrow's show. So that's going to do it for us. For Bailey Adams, Josh Capo, Adam Slavon, Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks everybody for watching. And we'll see you tomorrow at 4 p.m. Eastern for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out! Out. Out.